Hi, Steve. Hey, man. What's up? Hi. I was inspired by the movie that we were reviewing this week, and so I want you to um, do something for me. Yeah, anything. What do you want me to do? Okay, take this glass full of unknown liquid. Got it. Okay. And I want to be famous. So you toss it in my face. Just toss it in your face. Yes. Okay, here you go. Oh! Oh! (laughs) Hey! Oh, dude. You, you, I'm so crazy, I'm stupid. You told me to. The world of heterosexual is a sick and boring life. Hello everybody and welcome to Late Seating. I am Jason Harding. And I am Steve Shives. And on this show we take a classic movie and see if it lives up to its reputation. Whether that reputation is good or bad. And this time around its reputation is... Uh... Sleazy. <laughs> May, would that work? Sleazy? Hey, everybody. We're, re- we're doing a review of Female Trouble. <laughs> I'm not pussyfooting around. Not with this movie. No, no, definitely not with this movie. Hey, Steve. Yeah. Do you have any trivia for Female Trouble? Oh, boy, do I ever. Oh, boy, I was hoping you did. There's so much. What is it? There's so much neat trivia about this neat movie. <laughs> so, uh, at one point, and we'll get to it when we go through the the, the, the summary, but at one point there is a, a childbirth scene in the movie. And okay. wouldn't you know it, the baby that is given birth to in that scene was actually the child of Susan Lowe, who was one of the regular John Walters uh, players, one of the Dreamlanders, Waters. as they were called. Um, yeah. And uh, she was actually pregnant during filming yep and john waters said hey when you have your baby would you mind letting your baby play the baby in the scene and she was like sure so they that seems like it's a healthy choice to make yeah so they did and for the scene where uh dawn bites through the umbilical cord again we'll get there uh they simulated (laughs) the umbilical cord using condoms filled with liver Mm -hmm. so some movie magic yay is that it? Uh, That's all your no, gross trivia. I, I have more. Okay. It's not all. It's not all gross. It's you know. Um, so these next couple are about how awesome Divine is, or was, I should say. Okay. Uh, so Divine was worried about the trampoline scene. So yeah. so John Waters said, "Well, you go and take lessons at the Y, because apparently the YMCA has a trampoline class." <laughs> of course it does. So Divine went and took trampoline lessons at the YMCA, and then came back and nailed the trampoline scene in a single take. Keeping keeping his wig on. Keeping his wig on. And, and, and there's another, the, the, you, you're jumping ahead of me, the next the next bit is, is also another wig keeping on miracle. Um, the scene where Dawn is running from the cops in the woods. Uh, yeah. Which was filmed in November in freezing rain where Divine, in full costume, including the wig, manages to cross the river, which is a swollen, swiftly moving river in November, and not only cross the river, but hit his mark on the other side so that the cops can run up and grab him, all without losing his wig. Or insurance. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Um, this is this is this one isn't really so much uh, trivia, but it's just something that I saw when I was looking on the IMDb trivia page for the movie. Um, one of the bits of trivia there is, and I quote: 
the script was written as a vehicle for divine. No shit. <laughs> uh, I mean, he is in every scene, I think. Yeah, like, you think this Almost like, every scene. You think this movie was written for Divine? I don't know, maybe. Mm. Uh, John Waters still has the electric chair used in the film at his house in Baltimore. Yay. Because, of course, Good. he does. Yes, I know. I, I, hope, I hope he puts it at the head of the table and he sits in it at dinner parties. <laughs> um, parts of the film are inspired by John Waters' own life. Don Davenport is based on two girls he knew in high school. And as a child, Waters would play car accident, just like Taffy does in the film. Uh, he had a small stage in his house from which he would perform for that family members. Great. And uh-huh. he used to pretend that he had a hook for a hand, like Aunt Ida gets at one point. By stuffing mm-hmm. a coat hanger up his sleeve. So this is this is John Waters writing from his own unique experience. Um, and this la- one more, and this last one is my favorite. Uh, many years after the movie was released, John Waters was contacted by a divorce attorney who represented the soon-to-be ex-wife of one of the officials from the church where the wedding scene was shot. Apparently, as part of the divorce case, the woman was claiming that her husband had been paid a substantial amount of money to allow what she called a porno movie to be filmed at the church. (laughs) So John Waters... Not quite. John Waters replied, and he said that the film was not a porno, and he assured them that he had not paid anyone a nickel to film at the church. (laughs) So so there you go. Uh, Yay. Hey, Steve, do I even have to tell you who made it? Uh, if, if you had never seen this movie oh, before I would watched it. I, I would have a pretty good guess. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Okay, so here we go. It was directed by John Waters. This is going to be the easiest credit who made it ever. Yes. You know who John, you know who John Waters is? He, he directed, you know, Pink Flamingos, Polyester... Crybaby, yeah. hairspray, and probably most famously hairspray, yeah. right? Okay, written by John Waters, produced by John Waters, starring Divine as Don Davenport and Earl Peterson, and you know Divine from John Waters, <laughs> from movies. a bunch of John Waters movies, right? Like the movies I just said, and this applies to everyone else in the cast. Yeah. David Lockery as Donald Dasher, Mary Vivian Pierce as Donna Dasher. Mink Stoll is Taffy Davenport. I love Mink Stoll, but I really love her. I think it's polyester. Is it polyester where she has the the screaming fit out of the window at the little kids? Uh, yeah, ball? I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's it. that performance where she claims that she was almost assassinated <laughs> is just why don't you go home to your mother? <laughs> screamed and then when he reverse shot and it's just this dopey kid with a baseball man I hate you and I hate your mother oh my god uh, anyway that's a different movie um, Hillary Taylor is young Taffy Edith Massey oh Edith Massey oh boy she earns her pay in this whatever it was <laughs> she does whatever she got paid in <laughs> um, as Ida Nelson Cookie Mueller as Conchetta 
Susan Walls as Chicklet Fryer, Michael Potter as Gator Nelson, Ed Swift as Butterfly, George Figs as Dribbles, Susan Lowe as Vicky, Channing Wilfroy as oh sorry, Will or Wilroy, I guess I'm Yeah. Good. Channing Wilroy as prosecutor and Elizabeth Coffey as Ernestine. Why didn't I say what else they've been in? Because they're pretty much in the same movies that John Water that I mentioned at the beginning <laughs> that John Waters has done. Oh, look, cinematography by John Waters, hmm. edited by John Waters and Charles Rogero. Nothing else you didn't write. Music by John Waters <laughs> and Bob Harvey. Production companies, Dreamland, Saliva Films, and distributed by New Line Cinema. It was uh, released on October 11th, 1974. Running time, 89 blessed minutes. <laughs> Budget, $25,000. Yeah, buddy. And I have no box office. Nobody does. This became one of the, again, after, this was the follow-up to Pink Flamingos. Yeah. And Pink Flamingos hit hard, but it hit hard in a weird way, right? It was like an instant cult film. People either loved it or they fucking hated it. They hated what he was doing. Yes. I don't know what Ebert's opinion was on this genre of filmmaking because it like it went it went to where Russ Meyer would go and then further. Oh yes. Right? It would be like Russ Meyer and John Waters have a lot in common. I know that John Waters really likes Russ Meyer films, but he took the the kind of concept of a Russ Meyer film yeah. and he like really exploded it. And he's like, I don't care who I offend, in point of fact, that's kind of the point right. of the movie. I hope I offend everybody at least a little bit. <laughs> exactly. I'm gonna I'm gonna make a, a an offensive movie and hopefully it'll piss off the squares and the and the and the the right and um and that's what he did. I mean it's almost as if he went line by line and said, That's not strong enough. Yes. And the stronger he makes it, the funnier the movie gets. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, Steve. Yes. Well, that was the shortest intro ever. <laughs> you ready for me and you to put on our cha-cha heels and go running into the world <laughs> of female trouble? Yes. Let's take a trip to Baltimore. Mmm. Good old Balmer. Yep. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's an hour away from where I'm sitting. I have a greater appreciation of where what you had to go through, Steve. It was just like this. <laughs> All right. You ready? I'm ready, buddy. You ready, Steve? Okay. Let's do it. Steve, yes. take it yeah. away. Ha, ha, ha. So we get the opening <laughs> credits, uh, which are sort of over, like, tableaus and, like, photographs of various objects and stuff that eventually become, like, mm -hmm. relevant to the movie. And then we get a title card that tells us we are about to see Don Davenport in high school. Right. And then we... And it gives the year, doesn't 19, it? Yeah, 1964, I think they said it was. I think so it was sometime in the 60s, sure. in the early 60s. But yeah, so and then we meet Don Davenport, who is played by Divine, who does not pass yep. for a high school student, even remotely, but that's part of the fun. She passes better than her two friends. That's true, yes. And so, and Dawn is a, she's a high school student and she is a ne'er-do-well. She's a juvenile delinquent. Um, she doesn't like to go to class. She doesn't like to do homework or study or anything like that. And nope. she talks to her friends, Chicklet and Conchetta, about how her, you go ahead. Yeah, her second line 
is about the fucking cha-cha heels. Yes, that was I was going to say. Yeah, the it, it's mm-hmm. Christmas is coming up, and she has her heart set on a pair of cha-cha heels. And if her parents don't get her these cha-cha heels for Christmas, oh boy, there's going to be trouble. Um, and all of them have their hair, you know, aquanetted up. Yeah. And these gigantic, they have, you know, they, they used to call them rats. You'd roll up a thing and put it out over underneath your hair to make it get even higher right. up. Right, yeah. Then, then we cut to the fucking classroom where the teacher is calling Roll and he calls one of his friends Roll and she doesn't answer right away and he comments on how she's dressed, right? Yeah. And this guy fell, fell out of a, uh, out of a... <laughs> Out of a public education film reel from 1954. Yes, absolutely. He's got like a little mustache and glasses, and he's always making commentary. And then who shows up late to class? Uh, it's Dawn, isn't it? Yeah, yeah it's Dawn yeah, she, and her friend. Yeah. And she sits down, and they're talking. They're, <laughs> they're talking in class, and there's a girl. The girl who sits in front of Dawn. Uh, the narc. Yeah, narcs her out. And why? Why does she narc her out? Oh, because she's eating a sandwich. Because, because she's eating Dawn, a sandwich in class. Don pulls out a fucking submarine sandwich <laughs> yes. and is eating it, and it's not a little one; it's a big. It's one. like a foot long. And she's yeah. given, she's given dirty looks to the narc who's looking back, and then she raises up her hand, and she's like, "Don Davenport is eating in class," and she's like, "No, I'm not, you liar! She was cheating off of my world." <laughs> And and one of Dawn's friends like leans over to the narc and says, "I've got a knife in my bag, and after class, I'm gonna cut you." That's right. <laughs> but then the teacher makes her step up to the chalkboard and and tells her to write a hundred times, "I will not eat." I will in not class. eat in class. Yeah. One of the girls makes fun of her for being overweight, and she attacks her. Yes. Like immediately. <laughs> Cut to the bathroom where they're still talking about explicitly. She says, I hate my parents too, and I hate this school. Yeah. And I'd better get those <laughs> fucking cha cha heels. Cha cha heels. <laughs> and the minute she says, I hate my parents, and I, and I, and I hate this school, hard cut to the outside of a house that has a dog. Yep. And it's, what is, I think it's, um, Christmas music. Yeah, right. Like a hard cut to Christmas music, right? Yeah. We see her parents down below. Her mom says to Dawn's father, please, please, can we not argue today? Not on Christmas. It's Christmas. And she calls up, Dawn, come down and see what Santa brought you. (laughs) And she begrudgingly gets up. Yeah, we cut to Dawn in bed. Like she curses when they tell her to get up. Like she throws the covers off and she's like, Jesus Christ, or something like that. She comes down, she hands presents to her parents. The parents make her sing a Christmas carol yeah. that she could not give a sh- less of a no, shit about. No. And they're like, go get your present. And she reaches, she goes there, she finds a box that looks like a shoebox. Yep. And she's op- she opens it up and she gets her cha-cha heels and everything's fine. Uh, except no, they're flats. There's, they're not cha-cha heels. They're not, I don't think they're heels of any kind. And what what happens, Steve? Uh, there's a big fight. She oh, she throws the Christmas the greatest, tree on top of her mother. The, the greatest fucking tantrum oh, ever yeah. captured on film yeah. is that I wanted cha cha heels, 
I hate this family and I hate you. And she goes over to the tree and starts stomping on the presents. <laughs> she stomps all the other presents. The tree falls over on her mother. Mm-hmm. Uh, her father says, get out. And then we get out. We, you, yeah. yeah. We cut to her leaving the house, like pulling on a robe, still wearing her, In her underwear. Yeah. To not a robe. She pulls on a leather jacket. Oh, ja- that's right. And, and yeah. To a happy Christmas song. Yeah. As she's running away. And then we get to the side of a road, and Divine picks up Divine. Yes, she's, yeah, this is one of the, the the weird, sick, like, strokes of genius in the movie, is that Divine, Dawn, who is played by Divine, is picked up in a car driven by Earl, who is also played by Divine. By Divine. And um, uh, they pull over to have sex yeah. with each other. Yes. So Divine... Has sex with, with divine, divine, yes. In which, at some point, he manages to have sex with pants on, and then he pulls down his pants. <laughs> yes, and he's got skid marks on his underwear because, of course, he uh, does. Because, of course, he of does. Of course, he does. And then he goes, he goes down on her. <laughs> yes, while she screams, "Eat it! Eat it! Eat it!" That's right. That's uh, right. I, yeah, it's it is. Yeah, it's wonderful, guys. At this at this point. If you can't laugh your way through that scene yeah. and you are upset, turn off the movie. Yeah, it's not going to get turn better. Turn it off. It's not going to get better. You're not going you're not surviving. You're not going to like it. <laughs> okay. If you, yeah, if yeah. You're not going to You're like not going to like it. Cut to Earl working in his shop, I think. Yes. And she we showed Don go into a phone booth to tell Earl that hi, you remember me? We had sex on Christmas Day. <laughs> I'm pregnant. <laughs> I'm pregnant, and I want, and Earl does not give a shit, right? Right. Earl's like, fuck off. Whatever. Right? And she goes into, like, a little room, <laughs> lays down on a couch, <sighs> and then has a baby. Immediately has a baby. It takes, like, ten seconds. She, she bites through the umbilical cord <laughs> with her teeth. <laughs> and she says, I'm going to name you Taffy. Mm-hmm. And so then we cut to a new card that says Don Davenport, career girl, yeah. 1961 to 1967. And so, yeah, go, go, go. We get this amazing montage of yep. Don's various jobs where it, it's in descending order of legitimacy, where first she's a waitress. Wait, right. Working at like a at diner. Like a diner. <laughs> then she's a stripper. Mm-hmm. Yep. Then she's a prostitute. That's right. And then she and her friends from high school are just mugging people. And I love the fact <laughs> that their masks have to compensate for their giant hairdos. Yes. And so they're like wearing these nylon bags over their head where they find some wino wandering down the street that they beat to the ground and steal <laughs> stuff from. Yeah. Yeah. Cut to Divine eating a ludicrously sized donut. Oh at my home. god, that donut is like it's yeah, it's like the size of like it's a, a it's a tire on a child's <laughs> red wagon. Like it's humongous. <laughs> and little baby Taffy comes up and well, she's trying to play jump rope in the house, which annoys which annoys Don. Don starts yelling at her. <laughs> <laughs> And if you think their relationship improves at all, it does it not. It gets worse Taffy, somehow. 
<laughs> she goes, go jump rope in the bathroom. She says, you know there's no room in the bathroom. And Taffy's like, I want to go to school. <laughs> <laughs> Taffy at this point is what, six? Something like that, yeah. Dawn explains and, very angrily why she can't go to school, because then you'll always be bothering me for books and for food. And, for you know, she's like, you that's why you can't go to school. You'll run me ragged, your mm-hmm. poor mother. And she tells her, stop jump roping in this in this house or I'm going to go get that car aerial <laughs> and beat you with yes. it. Taffy doesn't stop. She grabs the aerial, yes. and Taffy starts knocking furniture over and breaking shit. <laughs> but then um, Dawn's friends come over. Right. And they, they have it. They've just stolen a TV. They need a place to hide the TV yeah. they just stole. They're like, you sure no one saw you? Um, then Taffy starts acting out, and <laughs> they take her upstairs and chain her to her bed. Yes. And they come down saying, I'm glad I never had a kid. Yeah. And I think at one point she furiously cuts up the jump rope. Oh, when she gets back downstairs. Yeah, she's like, give give me that jump rope. And she's like, I hate this jump rope. And she cuts it into pieces with scissors. Mm Mm-hmm. But the girls tell her about a beauty shop. Yeah, a very exclusive beauty shop. That's right. And it's run, and there's one particular guy there that she should meet. And that is uh, Gator. Yeah, who also happens to live next door. Yeah, and he lives next door with his Aunt Ida. (laughs) Boy, what a character she is, huh? (laughs) Cut to... Oh, boy, Edith Massey. Edith Massey, topless. (laughs) Massaging her breasts. (laughs) And kind of moaning. Yep. Cut to Gator, who is a scumbag. (laughs) And she is now dressed in what can only be called a dominatrix outfit. Yeah. Edith Massey is overweight, and she is crammed into this black dominatrix outfit. But what's important to Aunt Ida when it comes to her nephew, Gator? She is determined that Gator is going to be gay. She really wants, she just can't stand the fact, she can't stand the thought of Gator turning out to be straight and getting married and having kids. Uh-huh. <laughs> she said, I think at one point she says, she says, queers are just better. She also says, heterosexuals live a depraved yes. and depressing lifestyle. Yes. She's constantly trying and to she- fix Gator up with guys. Gator keeps insisting that he's into girls. She doesn't want to hear it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And he doesn't. And she's she is determined, but Gator has to leave. No, we just cut to the we cut to the beauty salon. Right. Where there's one maniac who's giggling while he teases this one woman's hair into oblivion. <laughs> Gator is asleep in his chair, and in walk, Hubley, the Dashers. Oh yes, the owners of the beauty shop. Yeah, the owners of the beauty shop. And everyone has to stand to attention when they get there. And they're informed that there's a new um, there's a new uh, clients. Because at this beauty salon, you have to be gorgeous in order to just be a customer. Right. You have to audition. Because it just, you have to audition. Because it just won't do, right? That <laughs> if you're plain or regular, that they would accept you as a client. 
And so one of them is divine, and there are two other ladies there. They outright reject one lady because she works for the telephone. Yes, company. yes. But they accept Dawn, don't they? Yeah, they ask Dawn, what do you do for a living? And I think she says, uh, I'm a thief and a shit kicker. That's right. <laughs> and I want to be famous. And they're like, all right, you're in. And so they go ahead and accept her. They assign Gator to her. Gator is going to be her hairdresser. And then Gator and her um, start kind of dating. Then they get married. Yes. And Divine walks in. <laughs> in a wedding dress that's semi-transparent. I can't tell if she, if if he's wearing black underwear or if that's supposed <laughs> that, to be the pubic yeah, area. I, I kind of thought but, that was supposed to be like his gigantic bush, but I'm not sure. Maybe that, it's, Me too. Yeah. I'm not sure either. And then, of course, you could see, you know, her tits yeah. through the dress. Everyone is so happy that they're getting married. <laughs> and then we get a new one. Don Davenport, Married Life, yep. 1969, in which we have determined that things have not been great. No. Through another series of montages where Gator is drunk. <laughs> There's this one time when Don comes home. And there's a woman riding gators. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. And they immediately start there's fighting. There's always a fight. Yep. Ida, Ida is so upset that Gator has gotten married. I, God, I love this. Dawn looks out her back, back porch. Yes. And Aunt Ida, with a huge grin on her face, wearing the same outfit that she did earlier, is Dumping trash. Dumping garbage over the fence. Oh, it's, yeah. And then she sticks her tongue out and flips her off. (laughs) Then, then, uh, uh, Divine dumps a fish. Yeah. Onto her while she's walking down the street. Yeah. New title card, Don Davenport, five years later, 1974, in which we have an extended scene of Gator and her fucking. Yep. In which. It's implied he's going to use a hammer on her. Yeah, a hammer, a pair of pliers. Well, no, he does he use does the, use the pliers, pliers. She, yeah. she says, them. give me those pliers. So now we meet Taffy, who's 14. I guess, yes, yeah. Played by an adult woman. Right. Played by played Mink Stoll. Yeah, I, I think she's, she's supposed to be a teenager by this point. She's wearing the same dress that she did when she was 10. Yep. Or 8. So it barely covers her up she flat out hates her stepdad she hates her mom what does she want now i can't remember well she she comes in she interrupts them having sex and she asks for ten dollars that's right and, she wants ten dollars and and gator says what are you going to do with ten dollars and she immediately snaps at him and says you writing a book hippie <laughs> that's right <laughs> He also says, implies for her to suck his dick, and she comes back with, I wouldn't suck your dick if I was drowning and your balls. And there was oxygen in your balls. Filled with oxygen. (laughs) Oh, and I also love um, the way way that scene is, is edited because the gator says, Why don't you come over here and suck your daddy's dick? And then John Waters, mm, yeah. and then John Waters helpfully cuts to a shot of his dick, just in case. That's right. Just in case we didn't get what he was asking her to do. In case we didn't know what a dick was. 
She leaves. <clears throat> Taffy leaves. And then they go back to having sex. Yes. Then they get in another fight during sex. And she throws him out, doesn't she? Yes. That's it. She says, that's it. I've had enough. We're getting a divorce. We cut back to the salon. And who shows up? Okay, so I think the dashers show up. Right. Right. And this woman is refusing. <laughs> a woman is refusing to pay for her hairstyle. Right. And they scream. What do they say? Re- remove her yeah, hairstyle. Yeah, take, take, take it back or take it back or something. Yeah. So they dump water from a plant onto her head <laughs> and start messing up her hair. Um, we spend a little bit of time with the hairdressers. One of them's new. I don't think that's supposed to be what's his name anymore. I can't remember. But Don shows up and she's like, I don't want, I'm getting a divorce. Yeah, yeah. I don't want Gator I don't want anymore, Gator yeah. to be my, right. And she gets invited back by the Dashers. Yeah, they want to talk to her in private. And, yeah, and the Dashers equate beauty with crime. <laughs> yes. That's, I think that's literally one of the lines. Yeah. And because they're a couple of weirdos. They're super weirdos. And yeah. they're like, we want to be, you're going to be our model and you are going to commit crimes and we're going to basically take pictures of you and you're going to become famous. And she's like, will I get in trouble? And they're like, no. And <laughs> she does it um, so long as they fire Gator. Right. right. Which they immediately do. Which they do immediately. Right. She leaves. She's happy. Um, we cut back to the apartment and uh, this just, I've seen this movie before. It's been a while, but Taffy playing car accident is one of the funniest (laughs) goddamn things. And what makes it funnier is that they show her doing this and you're kind of like, what is she doing? She breaks out a ketchup bottle and she starts spraying it all over herself and this mannequin. Yeah. And Divine walks in and says, how many times have I told you to play car accident outside? outside? Yes. I love it. Which, based on what you've told me, I guess he got yelled, that got yelled at him at some point. Right? They start yelling at each other. Taffy... I can't remember what the basis of this argument is. I can't. Does she knock Taffy unconscious? I can't remember either. I don't know. All I do know is we cut back to Aunt Ida's, and Aunt Ida has a gay man there. Yeah. With the sole purpose of making sure that Gator becomes gay. Gator shows up. He's not interested in the gay guy at all. No. Right? Gay guy leaves, and what does Gator tell Aunt Ida? He says... He's he's he got fired and he's leaving Baltimore to move to Detroit so that he can become a part of the auto industry. <laughs> That's his great dream. So good luck to you, Gator. And Aunt Ida drops to the floor and starts wailing <laughs> and rolling around as if this is the worst yeah. thing she has ever heard in her life. Right. Uh, Gator tries to come back and he tells what's-her-face that she's leaving. Cut to the Dashers who are walking down the street who are astonished at how awful the, and, and poverty-stricken the street is. They love it. Yeah. Right? They, they come to her apartment. And, okay. <laughs> they come to her apartment and she offers them food. Right. They also get to meet Taffy. Taffy doesn't want anything really to do with them. And then they start having an argument over noodles. Right. Because yeah, Dawn made spaghetti. And yeah, mm-hmm. and and the the um 
uh, Donald and Donna don't the Dashers are, don't want any. Don't because they don't they eat don't noodles. eat noodles. But Donald Don will make an exception. Yeah, so give me a small of, serving just for the sake of politeness. With cheese, with cheese, please. please. And then yeah, and then yeah, and Taffy gets upset because she thinks that Don is giving them her spaghetti. So she throws the right. she throws the spaghetti on the floor, and then they get into a fight. I'm done. That's and right. Dawn is about to break a chair over Taffy's back. <laughs> but the dashers say, oh, wait, hold that. And they and she freezes so they can take a picture of her holding the chair. Mm-hmm. And then once they get the picture, she finishes the swing and smashes the chair over Taffy's back. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, Aunt Ida has now has gone into the street and broken into the home. Yes. She's so upset. That she throws a convenient glass of acid into Dawn's face. Yes. And while Dawn is laying there screaming, the dashers are taking pictures oh, of Oh, they her. love it. Yeah. Cut to Dawn in the hospital with her head wrapped like a mummy. Completely bandaged, yep. The dashers have convinced her that she will be more beautiful than ever because she'll have scars on her face. Yeah, and they, tell, and they right? don't want her to get plastic surgery. No, they've told her, don't get plastic surgery. Everyone gathers around, the hairdressers, the dashers, they've all gathered around for the unveiling. Some of the women are jealous because they anticipate that she will have these scars and that they won't be as beautiful as her because she has scars. She finally unveils it. She has this completely unconvincing acid scar on her face. And the dashers... Kind of, because she looks up to him and says, I'm beautiful. (laughs) And they say yes, and that's, you know, that makes her super, super, that energizes her, right? Yeah. (sighs) Then she starts getting presents. And I can't remember what the first, for the first present is, is that she gets new clothes. Right. And they're taking pictures of her, and they're still convincing her that, you know, about their entire concept about crime and, and, uh, her disfigurement is going to make her unique. She's going to become famous. <laughs> Donna faints at one point <laughs> while watching the, pho- <laughs> the, the, the photo shoot. And now they're about to give her another present. What is the other present? Well, they, well yeah, they, they've redecorated her house or her apartment. So the whole, yes. the whole place looks completely gift wrapped. Um, and right. yeah, the, the last gift that they give her is they, they pull a sheet off of this gigantic birdcage. And they have imprisoned Aunt Ida in the birdcage. That's right. <laughs> so Aunt Ida is like her pet now. But she complains about it first. I have to live with this woman. Right. <laughs> then they gag her. And then they say, why don't you cut off the hand that threw the acid in your face? <laughs> yes. And so she hacks she it does. off with an axe. Yep. Taffy shows up with a brand new announcement. And that's she's gonna go join the Hare Krishna. Yep. Or as she always refers and to them, the Harry Krishna people. <laughs> yes, that's right. The Harry Krishna. I'm gonna people. go live with the Harry Krishna people. But before she does that, she runs over to her real father's house. Oh yes. And he's drunk, watching TV. Has no idea who she is. Has no Refu- idea. Refuses to accept when she tells him, like, "I'm your daughter." He's like, "No, nah, I don't have a daughter." That's right. Then he whips out his He whips his dick, dick out. <sighs> and then Taffy stabs and him to death. Taffy who's Taffy's saying, I'm having a very what did she say? She's having a very distressful yeah. day or something like that. 
And she takes a convenient knife and stabs him to death. Boy, howdy. Mm-hmm. From a knife that's sticking out of a jar of mayonnaise. Yes, that's right. Because um, he was spreading mayonnaise on something like on his easy chair while he's watching TV. Yeah. <laughs> and she, yeah, she grabs the mayonnaise knife and kills him with that. Mm-hmm. Cut to Divine, obviously filming on the street with no permit. Yep. Running down the street in this green and or blue and gold leopard skin, skin tight dress. She returns back to the Dashers and they. What does she eat? They offer her something to eat. I can't remember what it was. Oh, I can't remember either. What do they give her? But And then they also, they shoot her up with liquid eyeliner. With liquid eyeliner. And that energizes her to such a degree. And they say, oh, we've been using it for years. Right? Yeah. Cut back to the apartment. And Aunt Ida and Taffy are talking. And Taffy has given Aunt Ida a... <laughs> A hook hand. A hook hand, yeah, sure. And she's trying, Aunt Ida is trying to convince Taffy to let her go. But before any of that can happen, Divine shows up with her new haircut. And now she has a mohawk. Yep. So now she has a mohawk and scars on her face and outrageous makeup at this point. She's brought crackers. (laughs) Yes, for Aunt Ida. For Aunt Ida. And um, I can't, she force feeds them to her, I think? Or does she gag her? I think she might gag her, but I'm not, and then I we I'm have not the, sure. Yeah. So she accuses Taffy of teaming up against her with Aunt Ida. Totally true. Taffy is like, I'm going to join the Hare Krishna people, the Harry Krishna people. And then we cut to the live show that she's going to be doing. The Dashers have set it up, right? Right. And she's in the dressing room. Back at the house, Taffy has shown up dressed in a robe. Yes. <laughs> burning incense. And she lets, does she let Anna? Yeah, she I, lets, yeah, she lets her out of the cage, out. yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, we cut back to the show. They give, they give Dawn a gun. Yes. And then, of course, Taffy shows up, doesn't confront her, but says, I'm a hair Harry Krishna. <laughs> And, and what does Dawn do, Steve? <laughs> she chokes her to death. That's right. <laughs> uh, it's been a long time coming. Uh-huh. Cut to the show. And what does the show consist of? Okay, so first you've got <laughs> Dawn on the trampoline. Yes. Just jumping around, doing flips and turns and stuff. Then she gets down into, like, a box filled with fish. First. First, she tears a phone book in half. Oh, that's right. Yeah, she tears a she tears a phone book in half. She climbs into like a box full of fish. It's like a little baby, like a crib thing. Yeah, you know, like kind of like a baby crib. But yeah, and, and she throws. I wouldn't fish be surprised if it's the same one that Edith Massey was in in, in uh, Pink Flamingos. Right. Yeah. There. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. She throws fish mm-hmm. into the audience. She like after putting them in her mouth and yeah. rubbing them on her crotch. Right. Right. She climbs back out. Uh, then she pulls out the gun, and she, and, <laughs> she and, and she starts claiming responsibility for various crimes, <laughs> like high-profile, like kidnappings and murders and stuff that people would have known about in the seventies. Um, right. And who did right before she starts the show? Who does she? Who does she kind of pray to at the beginning? Is it Richard Speck? 
Yes, that's right, Richard Specker. And then doesn't she say on stage, she, doesn't she say like she blew Richard Speck or something? Like Richard that's Speck, right. From that point on, Richard Speck comes up like three or four times in the movie. <laughs> and he does. <laughs> yeah. And then she points the gun out, out into the audience and says, who wants to be famous? And, and, and some, some idiot says, me. After explicitly telling them, I'm going to shoot you and you're going to become famous. And then she starts killing people. Yeah, she sure does. People start running around screaming. She's shooting into the audience. The cops show up and start shooting into the audience, yeah, too. Yeah, like, like cops would do. I yeah. mean, that's probably the most realistic part of the movie. The cops show up and immediately <laughs> just start opening fire on the innocent people in the audience. Don and Don, Donna Dasher plead innocence, that she went crazy, that... You know, basically that they're innocent so they can get away. Cut to the woods. Yep. She's in a tent. She's in a pup tent. She hears the cops coming, so she crawls out after drinking from a stream. Yep. And they chase her. She crosses a river and then gets caught. Yep. Yep. Long take on that river crossing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He hit his mark. Yeah. And then we get the trial of the century. <laughs> and Dawn is loving every minute of it for the most part until people start testifying against her. People testify against her and she doesn't like that because she feels completely justified in everything she did. Mhm. Like she So she, like yeah. Aunt, Aunt Ida goes up and kind of lies. Right? Yeah. Cuz everyone's turning the story into their favor and she starts screaming that's a lie. Um but it doesn't matter because the jig is up. I mean she's going to she's going she's going to get the chair. There's nothing that anyone could do. So, like, when Donna Dasher goes up, she lies, right? And right. she gets con- she gets convicted to the death penalty. Yep. And we cut to the prison? Yeah, we cut to her in, on death row. Pretty soon, mm-hmm. not with not long left to go before her execution. and Snuggling with her lesbian yes. roommate. <laughs> her hair has been completely shaved off. Yeah. Right. And she's preoccupied with how everybody, with how famous everybody thinks she is. Because yeah. Because she's saying, like, yeah. to her lover, like, isn't it, isn't it a turn on for you to be having sex with a famous person? And she's like, no, I just love you. And that's not important to Don. Yeah. What's important is how famous she's going to be and how famous she's going to be once she gets the chair. Right. Right. Every week, yeah, that is going to be the ultimate fame. Once she gets the chair, she's going to be totally famous. So famous. The guards come in and break him up and take her girlfriend away. Um, Dawn says she wants two veal cutlets for her last meal. (laughs) Another woman comes in and tells her how much she's going to miss her and, you know, how how much money you're going to make off the book about me, right? Yeah, asks her for an autograph. Mm -hmm. And then they tell her, we're just going to do it now. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Time's up. Pre shows up, leads, leads her down. She's laughing the entire time that she's being strapped into the chair. Right? Oh, she's giddy. She's exuberant. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what's her, what's her last words right before they electrocute her? Oh, I care. She's thanking her fans, isn't she? She's giving an Oscar speech. Yeah, that's right. She's, she, yeah, she's, she's thanking everybody for... For you know their support, she's thanking all the little people for reading all of the newspaper articles yeah. about her and all this other stuff. And then they boop, she dies. 
Freeze frame on her face. Freeze frame on her face as she screams in death. And then roll the credits, credits. over it. The end. So, Steve. Yes. How do you feel about this feel-good movie? Ah. About the pursuit of fame in the United States. And why in the hell is it resonating so hard right now? <laughs> exactly. Why is it resonating so goddamn hard right now? How do you feel about this subversive comedy? Female trouble. I love it. Um, so do I. I. I watch this movie and I laugh uncontrollably almost from mm-hmm. start to finish. Uh, John Waters is a genius. And his genius rests in the fact that he makes movies that no one else would or could make, mm-hmm. especially if you look in this early phase of his career. Um, yeah. There's no way in hell any of this should work. It's low budget. It's not terribly accomplished technically. The cast the is, is bad. The cast is filled with performers who are not good actors, at least not in the traditional sense. And, mm-hmm. and yet it does work. For one thing, John Waters knows how to use his limited resources to the greatest effect. Um, yep. There are extraordinary shots in this movie. <laughs> and they are shots that would not exist in a big-budget Hollywood movie. We've mentioned it a couple times already, but that shot of Divine swimming across the river is mm-hmm. no kidding one of my favorite shots. It's a single shot. It's a single, it's the- unbroken shot. And what I love about it is not only is it a part of the story being told, it's also a record of something that actually happened. Divine actually jumped in that freezing, rushing river in November and swam to the mm-hmm. other side and hit his mark. And in a jumpsuit. In a jumpsuit and, and a wig and makeup. And, and John Waters captures it in a single shot. Um, mm-hmm. Waters is often celebrated for his sense of humor, and I'm definitely getting ready to do that too, but <laughs> his, his early films especially have this verite quality. Oh, yeah, they That do. is a lot like, like a French New Wave movie or an Italian neorealism movie. Like, it's all almost all handheld camera. Um, it, it, the material is very different, right? It's different material than you would get from, like, Godard or Truffaut, but the style True. and the technique is very similar. And, you know, it feels like they just grabbed the camera and started filming, which in some scenes they did. And that can be an incredibly effective aesthetic if the camera is in the right hands and John Waters' hands are the right hands. But obviously what makes this a classic film is that it is such a showcase for Waters' brand of comedy. I mean, there's the preposterously lurid subject matter. Oh, yeah. The always escalating absurdity, the use of irony, the outrageous dialogue delivered through amateurish performances that somehow only make it funnier. <laughs> like, I watch this movie and I laugh and I shake my head and say, what the fuck? <laughs> no matter how many times I've seen it and often at the same time. Like things happen in the movie that all I can do is laugh. And as I'm laughing, I'm shaking my head and going, what the fuck? This Um, movie, this movie is almost 50 years old. Yeah. And it is so like transgressive. Raw. Yeah. So anti-establishment. Yeah. And it is made to push buttons. I describe it as it's, 
it is shameless and shocking in the best possible ways. Mm-hmm. I mean, usually we would say it's so oh, such and such. It's shameless, and we mean that as an insult. That's a compliment to this movie. It's shameless in the best way that a work of art can be. And the other thing is, and something I really enjoy about it, is that it's not mean-spirited. John Waters is making fun of these characters, but, yep. but he's not denigrating them. And he's not inviting our ridicule. The Don Davenport character is written purposefully to lack self-awareness. That is part of the joke. Yep. And so we are supposed to laugh at her. But we're also kind of supposed to be on her side. That's part to an of, extent. To an extent. Yeah. yeah, I mean, we're not supposed to approve of everything she does. But, but part of the Waters formula here is we're meant to acknowledge that, yes, these characters are buffoons or scumbags or delinquents. But we're also meant to find them kind of impressive because they are. They're funny. They're self-possessed, if not self-aware. Right. They are unapologetically and unabashedly who they are. And even without condoning the many very, very wrong things they do. Oh, yeah. There is something about them to admire in a twisted kind of way. And that's one of the appealing things about John Waters is that he presents us with these freaks. And he mm-hmm. says to us as the filmmaker, yes, they are freaks. And they do all kinds of things that are uncondonable. And yet, I am on their side. Mm-hmm. And there's something incredibly appealing about that. Um, on top of the fact that it's just incredibly hilarious. So I, I love this yep. movie. I, I recommend this movie. If, 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 you are, if your taste is such that you can tolerate it. <laughs> and if you, if you yeah, yeah. And, and if you're able to tune into this sense of humor because it's not for everybody but if, if if it's on your wavelength it's one of the funniest movies and it's a movie that you will have a wonderful time watching again and again um and yeah i i think it's terrific so there you go your turn i, I think it's awesome so we mentioned the mpaa earlier maybe not on the show show part but definitely during the late seating i'd cut yeah and one of the things that the MPAA did once they did the rating system, they had a, a slight misgiving. Because while they were doing it, they understood, okay, well, you know, the movie studios will be slow, right? It's not like they would go full tilt weirdo tits and sex and dicks and God knows what else right away. Right. They'll, they'll trickle it out. There'll be, there'll be a few more shits maybe they'll be the one fuck that they can get away with and still get an r rating you know there'll be nudity but we won't have to worry about it it'll be like the godfather right where you see some ladies tits but there's no implicit sex sure and john waters is their nightmare (laughs) because as soon as that came out he said fuck it this is going to get an r rating and i am going to do deeply subversive button pushing like nobody's yeah. business and so square people people who are like oh decency they can't watch female trouble or pink flamingos or polyester to a certain point they don't get what he's doing and that is he is the counterculture mm-hmm. at this point he is telling people he's telling these outrageous stories with outrageous 
tasteless plot line <laughs> yes. of about awful people, just absolutely awful people. And the reason he can get away with it is because the acting is bad. It's super cheap. At no point do you have to take the world or the characters seriously. Yeah. If this had been made with actors who were really into their roles and had been made with a budget, some people might go, oh, well, mm, no, no, no. But because it's so cheap and because it's so poorly acted, <laughs> you never buy into it. You never think, oh, okay, this is, this is they're, they're trying to make a statement. We, you, don't, you don't get overly invested in the characters because there's always, he intentionally puts this kind of distance yeah. between the audience and us or our buy-in. And then we can look at what he's trying to say and the subversive messages that are in there. And this is basically a pretty B-movie type um, Russ Meyer film, kind of. Girl sure. runs away from home, has a whole lot of problems. And, you know, learned in, in a lot of these movies, learns her lesson and then goes back home, right? Has to work in a diner, meets a bunch of salacious men, gets led astray, maybe, you know, gets tricked into modeling, one of those things. Except in this one, he takes that premise and he just kind of turns the volume up to about 13. <laughs> so that we don't just find out that Dawn got pregnant by the guy who picked her up. We have to watch that scene. Yes. And part of his genius, just like you said, was that he made it. Uh, <laughs> the sex scene is between two, one actor playing two different parts. Yep. Right? Brilliant. Yeah. It takes all the edge off of that. And it just makes it fucking hilarious. <laughs> Tasteless? Yes. There's nothing tasteful. Everything seems grimy and gross. Even, you know, the... Even the salon doesn't seem that great. No. Every single set is about the size of a shoebox. Um, but there's no, there's no good people in this to root for. Taffy isn't even good. I mean, you can no. say, well, Taffy was, grew up in an abused household. Yeah, we know that. That's part of the joke, is that she's been kind of neglected her whole life. Yeah. That her mother isn't allowing her to go to school. And, of course, she turns into this just absolutely shrill just annoyance by the end of it so that when taffy gets strangled you're not like did divine just kill a 14 year old <laughs> girl there was no attempt to make minkstole look like a 14 year old girl no she clearly looked like a woman in her 20s or late 20s when she's playing when she's playing taffy that's why you can get away with it if someone took these characters seriously, or if that character was being played by Jodie Foster, who was, I think, 14 at the oh, time, yeah. people would have thrown their arms up. They would have, they would have, <laughs> they would have banned John Waters. But <laughs> enough people, and believe me, there were plenty of people who got upset. Oh, yeah. Because even the mention of some of the things that he was, that he was bringing up in this um, was a, you know, could set people on edge. But because it's so poorly acted, because there's no attempt for age-appropriate casting, because Divine is just so over the top. And when she goes fame crazy, she is so out of control. Yeah. Um, and I love the subversive commentary of this. The idea at the time that someone would do anything for fame and how that gets twisted around to committing crime for fame. We live in an age of YouTube. 
And I wish I could say that I couldn't cite by example of people doing fucking shit on YouTube just for fame and notoriety. Yep. Right? Not to mention the fact that, you know, some of them get caught for real actual crimes. Actual crimes, yeah. Involving, involving children. Um, so I wish that part didn't resonate because back in the 70s it was kind of laughable. Oh, look, she went crazy for fame. <coughs> <coughs> And people say, well, at least she got the, the death penalty at the end. That was the greatest thing that ever happened to Dawn by the end of the movie. She was looking forward to it. Yeah. She was, that's why she was laughing. That she was going to become she was going to become so famous because they were going to give her the electric chair. That was the height <laughs> of fame. <clears throat> so do I like it? Yes. In fact, I love it. And it's one of the reasons why I love a lot of the early waters. Because he does he does calm down a little bit. As he gets older. Yeah. By the time he does Hairspray, he's matured. He's no longer working with tiny budgets. Hairspray is an excellent movie. Not, not necessarily the musical, because there's two Hairsprays. Yeah. The original Hairspray and then the adaptation from the musical from Broadway. Um, but even that one has a lot to say about Baltimore and about race relations and about class. All of his films are about underdogs, about freaks about the outliers in society. But he doesn't ask us to necessarily like them. He just wants us to watch them <laughs> and laugh. That's it. And so when, you know, whipping out, whipping out somebody's dick or, <laughs> or throwing acid in someone's face or breaking a chair over a 14-year-old's back <laughs> or her giving birth on a couch and then biting the umbilical cord with her teeth. If any of this was taken seriously, it wouldn't be funny, but it's because of the nature of the thing it is. And so, yeah, Steve, classic. Very much so. Absolutely. Super classic. Super classic. And uh, we could have done Pink Flamingos, which is harsher than this movie, I it's, think. Yeah, it has more deliberately, <clears throat> like, gross stuff in it. Yeah. It was intended to shock. Yeah. And in this one, I think he was kind of trying to tell a story, mm-hmm. more of a more of a story, more of a narrative, and that kind of develops as he continues on. Polyester definitely has a story, and it's more aimed directly at we know exactly who he is taking, who he has a problem with, the normies, yeah, the people who appear normal but have just as many fucked up problems <laughs> as the other people do. So, Steve. Yes, my friend. Do you have a movie that you would like to not recommend? As a matter of fact, I do. Go for you. So one of the things that I like about um, Female Trouble is, and you kind of hinted at it when you were doing your review just now, it, it's a little bit like one of those like hysterical social issue movies from the 30s and 40s, like Reefer Madness, only like just completely deranged, like just with everything, mm-hmm. with everything just pushed straight to the wall. Um, mm-hmm. And there was another filmmaker who... Did not who who worked under some of the same limitations as John Waters did early in his career, but was not nearly as talented as John Waters, who also made similar kind of movies, and that was a fellow by the name of Ed Wood. <laughs> and I genuinely like a lot of Ed Wood's movies, even though I don't think is... even though they're not good, I have affection no. for them. But mm-hmm. this is the one I'm not recommending is I think the only Ed Wood movie other than like his porno stuff that he made at the end of his life 
the only movie that Ed Wood was involved in, like in sort of the, the sweet spot of his career in the 50s when he was making like Plan 9 and Glenn or Glenda and that kind of stuff, that I, that I really don't like, um, even on a so bad it's good level. And it's called Jailbait. It's, you've, you've, you've done it as a not recommended yeah, before. It's an Ed Wood movie that doesn't have the stuff that makes Ed Wood movies fun to watch. You know, it's about a gangster who wants to get plastic surgery to change his face so he can escape the cops. And it, I mean, if, if, if I describe it to you, it sounds like a fun Ed Wood movie because it's, it's outrageous sure. and it has like this weird kind of moralism to it, which a lot of Ed sure. Wood's movies would have where he's, he, it takes yes, this, they do. this bizarrely like preachy tone about, you know, don't you be like this, you know? Um, so it has that and it has some familiar faces in it uh, that have, you know, like Timothy Farrell is in it and he was in a couple of Ed Wood movies and he's one of, and like he, is just one of those guys that you see him and you're like, oh, he's been in a bunch of Edward movies. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Lyle Talbot, same thing. Dolores Fuller, who was Edward's mm-hmm. girlfriend, you know, she's in it. So it's got a lot of the parts that you associate with classic Edward, but it just doesn't, it just doesn't have the same appeal that his best slash worst stuff has. It's just not as much fun to watch or to make fun of as the the best edward stuff so my not recommend- the best edward yeah. stuff is when he when his grasp exceeds his reach yes when he's trying to make something bigger or more important and he just doesn't have the means or the talent to do yeah, so yeah and maybe that's the problem with jailbait is that he's aiming too low it's mm-hmm. mostly just like a crime story with a, with some lurid or outrageous elements but he sure. doesn't try to go as far as he does in his more memorable work. So there you go. That's yep. my not recommendation. Jailbait. Hooray! As you guys know, I like to not recommend a movie from the same year that uh, we just reviewed, and it's 1974. And the movie that I'm not going to recommend is about a puppeteer. <gasps> Ooh! And it was directed by William Castle. In fact, it's one of the last William Castle films. Is good? Are any of them? You name me one. <laughs> but the difference with this one is that it stars Marcel Marceau. Oh, my. In a dual role where he plays a mute puppeteer that suddenly gets the ability to puppet dead bodies. Oh, good. And there's hijinks. And spoiler, turns out all to be a dream anyway, so oh. it doesn't really matter. The end. The oh. movie sucks. I fucking hate it. <laughs> What a shame. It's not, it's not funny. It's not interesting. It's just boring bullshit. And uh, it's only notable because I think that's Marcel Marceau's first movie yeah. role. I mean, he had others. Um, I w- have never been a Marcel Marceau fan. Quite honestly, I don't think he's that great of a mime. <laughs> you come at me, mime people, <laughs> if you want to... All you Marcel Marceau stands, line up. I'm a Shields... I'm a Shields and Yarnell kind of guy. <laughs> um, so don't see it. It's called Shanks. Shanks. And that's, that should be it's named after the main character. It's just, it's just bad. Don't. Don't. Hey, Steve. Yeah, buddy. Hey, Steve. Yeah. You know what? What? You know what time it is? You know what, it, you know what the time is? It, well, normally it would be the time for me to make a terrible choice, wouldn't it? And it still is it the is? time. Ah. 
for you to make a terrible choice. I didn't know if we were doing viewer's choice next or what. Except now the choice is even more terrible. Oh, it is? Yeah. As you guys know, I asked the audience to please supply us with movies that they would like us to review. And if any of those people had both agreed on one movie, they would have been the leader and I wouldn't have to make Steve make a terrible choice. God damn you people. But everyone suggested something different. So now Steve has to choose between, uh, I can't count anymore, eight different movies. That's not as bad as the last time. No, it's not as bad as the last time. Okay. But Steve doesn't know what these movies are. And before we do it, I would like to thank Steve Jolly, Niece Lone Wolf, Sir Alistair Octopus says support your union, Arcane Flame, Amstar, Daniel Baggett, Brian Sheehan, Robert Mills and Jake42 for their, their submissions for this viewer's choice All or right. listener's choice. No one watched. Well, I mean, unless you're watching. I guess they are viewers, huh, if they watch If this. they're watching the, uh, the uncut part, yeah. That's right. So, Steve, you have to choose between okay. A, B, C, D, E, F, G, and H. Pick away. A through H. That's right. Okay, here we go. I'm going to run my fingers over my keyboard, and I'm going to close my eyes, and whenever my finger stops, that'll be the letter. Oh, God. Okay. Oh, the suspense killing me. Okay, okay. So I stopped on Y. That doesn't help us. Which isn't one of the letters, but it is close to both G and H. That doesn't help us but either. But more of Y is touching the H than the G. So I'm going to go with H. 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 Okay. Had you chosen A, we would have reviewed Paint Your Wagon. Okay. Now, some people uh, put in more than one suggestion, more than one. I only chose one because you were allowed one, not, not 15. So <laughs> I, chose, I chose one of the ones. So if you said, hey, I put in more than that. That's the reason why it sounds like that. Yeah. So, had you chosen A, we would have we would have reviewed Paint Your Wagon. Had you chosen B, it would have been Hot Fuzz. Mm. C would have been War Games. Ooh. D would have been Star Trek VI. Ooh, that would have been a nice one. E would have been Secret of Nim. F would have been Monster Squad. Ooh. G would have been House, 1977. Interesting. Have you ever seen I've that? I've never seen that. Okay. But you chose H. I did. So we're going to go back in the time machine to 2009. Oh. And we're going to we're going to review Star Trek. Ah, yes. <laughs> Bring on the lens flares. Hooray. Yes, right. So if you guys want to get all the jokes or, or prepare yourself for our review. Yeah, and if you want to see why Steve cries at the first scene, yeah, why do you cry at the first thing? Because because Kirk's dad sacrifices himself to save the lives not, of the people on the, the ship. original timeline. Kirk's dad was like a farmer or something. Right, but this is the new timeline. You mean the alternate? The alternate timeline, the Kelvin verse. That's right. Yes. Stop! Stop! He doesn't die. George doesn't die. That's Hulk. No, that's not Hulk. That's Thor. Thor. <laughs> yeah. Well, he survives and goes off to join the Marvel universe. Oh, okay. Yeah. So we're going to review Star Trek 2009. Yay. Thanks, everybody, for your suggestions. And that's it. We're done. This is short. We only did an hour and 13 minutes yeah. on this tiny, teeny, tiny toonie. It does help when there's not a whole lot in the, in the who made it. That, yeah, when it's just the same dude. 
Mm-hmm. All right. Thanks, everybody. Um, for Late Seating, this is Jason Harding, and see a movie this week. And this is Steve Shives, and if I have never taught you anything else, and if you take no other wisdom away from this show than this, please, please remember, for God's sake, bumping pussies is a violation of jail rules. <laughs> you mean if you have two little kittens and you just bump them yeah. together, you can't do that? Don't do it. It is a violation of jail rules. I don't bump them hard. It just boom, boom, you can't do it. Bad. You don't bump pussies in jail. It is a violation. What of jail is rules. the harm in that? You just go boom, 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 like that. I don't make the rules. They like it. I like it. It looks cute. Look, I know how much you love bumping pussies, but you can't do I it in it. jail. I love you, it, and no one's gonna stop if me. If you get thrown from bumping in jail, as many pussies no, as I want. If you get thrown in jail, you cannot bump pussies in jail. They can't stop me. They can't watch me all the time. If they catch you bumping pussies in jail, you are going to get yeah. in so much trouble. How much? I'm already in jail. How much more pro trauma if I'm bumping pussies underneath my blankets? You're bumping pussies under the blanket. That's right. That's how you like. And you know yeah. who's going to be? You know who's going to be smuggling me? Those kittens to bump who? You. Oh, you. Th- you think? You think I'm going to? You, th- <laughs> you think if you get sent to jail, I'm going to get you pussy in jail? That's right, you are. You're gonna smuggle it into your coat. I'm gonna smuggle back to myself. I'm gonna smuggle pussy into you in jail. That's right. That's right. Because I'm your friend. You're right. I will. I totally will. Thank you. Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) I tried to keep it clean. Look at you. Well, you know, (laughs) I just gotta go to the dirtiest lines, you know. Late Seating is a Let Me Listen podcast production featuring Steve Shives and Jason Harding. Produced by Jason Harding. Theme music, Rollin' at Five, composed and performed by Kevin McLeod. You can find more Let Me Listen podcast productions at our website at www.letmelistenpodcast.com. You can also find us on Stitcher, iTunes, or just about anywhere you download podcasts. Late Seating is a listener-supported podcast. If you would like to support Late Seating or any of the other Lemme Listen productions for as little as $1 a month, please visit our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash Listen. And thanks for listening.